I uh, once talked to a young man, uh, not exactly this young man, but about that age and that degree of puzzlement. He was troubled. He'd lost his faith. And he was experimenting on a life without God. He couldn't find his way back right now. But I remember something he said that gave him comfort. It was thinking of his mother. And he said, I know she's worshiping for me. Now, now that phrase really stuck with me. He didn't say, she's praying for me. He said, she's worshiping for me. And this is what I'd like to preach about today. Something I'm entitling intercessory worship. And I'd like to, it's not a common thought that we have about worship, but I think there's power in this concept. And I think we should consider both biblical and real life examples of this. Now I know we've heard about worship as um, kind of a litter box experience this morning from Lauren. And, and then last week, Connie talked about worship as it affects our lives so we go out there and affect the world. But intercessory worship, I'm trying to picture for you today, is not just what we do out there, not just what we do in here, and not just what we do out there after worship, but it is also the worship itself as being not just on behalf of me, but on behalf of my wayward family, on behalf of that boy that doesn't seem to get his life right, on behalf of the church that's not here today, those people who are part of our fellowship, some online, some in beds, of sickness, <clears throat> some uh, in uh, uh, periods of disinterest. Now, we are worshiping for them. That's what I'd like to get across. One other example that came to my mind is all those big empty churches, those beautiful cathedrals. This one's in Sweden. And uh, they're built to glorify and magnify God, and there may just be a little handful of worshipers. And I see them as worshiping with all the glory and power of that environment, worshiping for the whole congregation that could potentially be there. And, and that's why uh, in Europe, we still think of these as Christian nations, though only some less than 10% of the, of the populace really attends and the young people show particular disinterest. The remnant idea starts in the Old Testament and both Jeremiah and Elijah talk about the remnant of the Israelites who believe and for the sake of the remnant, God will spare the others. For the sake of those who do continue to worship, God will uh, 
will be appeased for those who do not. Now, this is a, an idea we don't think of often, but go with me as I, as I continue to give examples. A small group representing the entire congregation. I remember uh, someone commenting on this during the uh, closed down period of COVID and that we were in a sense being the remnant and worshiping on behalf of others. The biblical roots for this are pretty deep going back to the very temple itself and the priesthood in the temple who worshiped on behalf of all the people. Uh, the priesthood is established in Exodus chapter 28 with the Lord's words and commission to Aaron, uh, verse 28, 29. Uh, so Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel. They were actually written on a part of his clothing that the different tribes of Israel when he went in to worship. And when he goes into the holy place, this will be a continual remembrance before the Lord. In the breastplate of judgment, you shall put the Urim and Thummim, and they shall be on Aaron's heart when he goes before the Lord. And Aaron shall bear the judgment of the Israelites on his heart before the Lord continually. That's a kind of foreign notion to us because we think of worship as something we're doing for ourselves, but we're really worshiping maybe worshiping for many others, and in fact doing a work of grace in others' lives through our worship. One profound example in the Old Testament is our friend Moses, who came before the Lord and begged for the people, reading from Exodus 32, verse 30. On the next day, Moses said to the people, you have sinned a great sin, but now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Alas, this people has sinned a great sin. They have made for themselves gods of gold. But none of you, but now, if you will only forgive their sin, but that's not even a complete sentence. He starts, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, Listen to this, but if not, blot me out of the book that you have written. Wow. Have you ever identified that much with the people you love on behalf of the Lord? But now, but the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. But now go lead the people. There's an act of grace that comes out of this. Go lead the people about to the place about which I have spoken to you. See, my angels should go out in front of you. Nevertheless, when the day comes for punishment, I will punish them for their sins. So here we have an, another example, Moses interceding for God's people. It's not just prayer for the people, but it's worship for the people. Worship with his whole being, with himself. And the apostle Paul, says something so similar, similar that I think it's uncanny. In Romans chapter nine, verse two, Paul says regarding his people, the Israelites, I have great sorrow 
and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my own people, my kindred, according to the flesh. I wish I were blotted out. I wish I were accursed. What identification with the people that you love and represent as you come in intercessory worship. I don't even pretend to begin to understand this. Intercessory worship, seen in that <clears throat> woman's worship faithfully for her wayward son and the remnant in uh, an empty church in Europe, perhaps in Ukraine. The priests in Israel's temple worshiping on behalf of the people, the great example of Moses and the great example of Paul. Today, we will be celebrating the Lord's Supper. And the Lord's Supper is also called communion. And it is communion, of course, with Christ, primarily. But it is also communion with one another. We are sharing the communion with one another. And it is communion with the entire church throughout the world and throughout all time. Have you ever had that uncanny sense in the Lord's Supper that you were sharing with someone in another culture in another time, another place? Maybe you'll have it today. But then it's not just the church. It's the world. Jesus said, this is my body for you. But then he said, accept this gracious gift on behalf of yourself and your family and the whole world because I want you to preach the gospel to the whole world. So our celebration of communion in the Lord's Supper is itself a kind of intercessory worship experience, or at least it can be. If we see it as not just for ourselves, but for all of the hurting in the world. I couldn't help but think in, in Pastor Connie's intercessory prayer for the people of Ukraine and of Russia, that it, she was not just praying for them, but there was also an intercessory worship for them. That, that, that's a dynamic, a mysterious thing that we can participate in. Because we are the church and we are called to be uh, connectors. I'd like to call your attention to First uh, Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. Here Peter says, you are a chosen race. You are a chosen race. A royal priesthood. You ever think of yourself as a priest? Baptists, one of the Baptist distinctives is the priesthood of all believers. So we believe just, not just the guy with the collar is a priest, but all of you are priests. That's kind of radical, but it's also scriptural. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Not 
in order that you might experience being called out of darkness into his marvelous light, but that you may proclaim it. You are a priest on behalf of others. And that is a quote from, uh, or uh, a use of a pattern found in Exodus chapter 19, where the same thing is spoken of, of the people of Israel when God called them as his people. They kept making the mistake thinking, that's because we're so special. But they were his people for a purpose. Listen, Exodus 19, 5. Now, therefore, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession out of all the peoples. Indeed, the whole earth is mine, but you shall be for me a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. So the Israelites were God's favored peace people, not so that he could indulge and pour all of his blessings on them, but so that they could be a nation of priests for the whole world. And now in our age, the church age, we have inherited that mantle. He calls us priests. He calls the church to intercede for the world. So I'd like to introduce this concept and have you think more about it. How, how are we to be involved in intercessory worship? I really think it's a partial fulfillment of the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We are to be the mediators of God's kingdom coming from earth to heaven. God's kingdom being fleshed out in the earth as it is in heaven. That's our calling. That's a priestly calling. We are the connector of the electrical circuit between heaven and earth. We're in the middle. We are holding hands with heaven and we're reaching to hold hands with the peoples of the earth. This, this has immense implications if we think about it. We're completing the circuit as we're here today. We're holding hands with God on behalf of our loved ones who aren't in fellowship with him. We're holding hands on behalf of the church all around the world, of the refugees that we love in his name. We're holding hands with the suffering people in Ukraine and the suffering people in Russia and all of the people in the Christian nations who have forgotten how dependent they are on him. We're holding hands now with every human person. I'll go farther. We're holding hands with every creature, with every ant, with every blade of grass, with all of creation. Intercessory worship is that big, has that much potential. So I, since I was originally moved by this image of a young man trying to find his way and being reassured that his mom is worshiping for him. 
Who are you worshiping for this morning? Who is the Lord speaking to you? An intercessory, loving word about as we participate in communion. May we do so not just for ourselves and our sins and our need for renewed connection with him, but for all the others he brings to our minds who need to be connected with him. Lord, help us to have a larger view of the potential of our worship. Help us to know that worshiping you can be on behalf of many others and has dimensions we can't even imagine. And we have such a tiny view of worship, but help us to see the immensity of it and how it fits into your plan and purpose. Bless our service of communion to that end. May it speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. We meet in Altadena every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific, both in the sanctuary and on YouTube. Most other events will be starting up soon, but if you need prayer now, please reach out to us at altabapprayer at aol.com. And again, as always, we pray God's blessings on you this week.